Hey, assalamu alaikum. Peace. It's Imran here. So we're trying something a little bit different this time. You might recall that a few episodes ago I mentioned that I wanted to read out some of the correspondence that I've received over the last 12 months in response to this podcast series. So I've reached out to a couple of people and thankfully they've said yes. So you're about to hear one of those, one of those stories. This is about a chap called Naeem. He's from India and he's now living in New Zealand. And his story is interesting, not because it's extreme in any way. So if you're expecting any kind of car crash listening, then that's not what this is. His story, I think, is quite reflective of the way in which young Muslims approach relationships in the modern world and some of the problems and the questions that they face. So I thought it would work as a, as a good example, really. So the way this works is I'm going to read out his initial correspondence. I'll then read out my response and then his, his final response to, to what I've said. Now, if you'd like to comment on anything that you've heard or offer some of your own opinions, then you can do that by hashtagging DMDad on Twitter or on Instagram, and we can carry on the conversation there. Whilst you may hear things that you strongly disagree with or have a strong opinion about, feel free to express those, but always bear in mind that we're talking about real people. So this is the first episode of Fireside Letters. This is Naeem. Why won't she change? Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine. I'll be here till the end of time So you've got to let me know Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste You're happy when I'm on my knees One day is fine, the next is black So if you want me off your back well, come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? Salams, brother. I just discovered your podcast today. I must say it wasn't by accident. I've been searching for a while for some relationship advice best suited for a young Muslim man like me. I usually find sources which are either un-Islamic or too Islamic, so they can't really empathise with my situation. I found you on Stitcher, and episode 8, It's Over, really caught my attention. I'm just unlistening to it. Here's my story. 
I recently made a big change in my life by migrating to New Zealand around seven months ago. I work as a skilled systems analyst and I now work for a great software company, mashallah. I'm originally from India and spent all of my life there before this big move. I'm 27 going on 28 and recently single. Like most Muslim guys, my experience with relationships is very basic. My first relationship was as a naive 24-year-old with a Buddhist girl from the office. I was so naive that I thought I could simply convince her about Islam and she would convert and we would live happily ever after. Looking back at that time, it seems like I was a completely different person to who I am now. That relationship was rather innocent and childish. We simply liked each other's company and were hanging out. It lasted about three to five months and then we broke it off amicably. I was single again for over a year. When I changed jobs, I found another girl and this time religion was only a minor issue. I say this because she was, and is, a Shia Muslim with me being a standard factory settings Sunni Muslim. Apart from that, she seemed like a great marriage prospect when perceived through my inexperience and naive mindset. We were both 25, with her just a month older than me. I didn't want to screw this relationship up, so I told her outright that I would want to meet her dad first and see if her converting to Sunni Islam would not be an issue. However, she cut me off on this, stating that we should get to know each other first and convince ourselves. Her logic seemed fair enough at the time, so I went with it. The first few months were lovely. We went on many dates, watched movies together, spent time at cafes, went to parks, etc., all the time being careful to stay out of sight of the Muslim uncles and aunties who live for gossip. Then the fights started happening. She can be rather sensitive, and this is a great thing when she's happy, as she would do a lot for me like make meals and take me on treats. But when she wasn't happy, it was so stressful and emotionally draining. Let's just say that I had both the happiest and most stressful times with her. Just like you though, I'm an optimist. I want to make things work. So in this relationship, whenever we fought, I would be the bigger person and forgive and comfort her. This became a trend with time. I noticed that she would also be more lenient with my shortcomings and comfort me when I was sad or angry. But regardless, it was me who was expected to be the wise one and take the lion's share in managing her emotional fluctuations. She took the lion's share in the drama department though and there were many times when we fought over silly little things like the way I replied to a text message for example. The drama rubbed off on me too and I must admit that even I was to blame for some of the more sillier fights. By the time we had reached one and a half years of our relationship, 
we had once again learned to adapt to each other with coping mechanisms. And once again, it seemed like we were getting better. Throughout this period, I became more conscious of my faith as a Muslim and kept pushing her to speak to her dad about marrying me. By this time, my parents already knew, though grudgingly, that I was in a relationship with a Shia girl. She, on the other hand, had only told her father about me. She had also told me that I would have to temporarily accept Shia customs in the community as she did not want her parents to be blacklisted. I agreed to this as well, as I knew that I had to compromise, not just her. I managed to finally get her dad to meet me for a coffee. Nice guy, very humble, and seems a type who'd like to avoid conflict. He was all right, and tactfully did not ask me any hard-hitting questions on religion during our meetup. He seemed okay about me marrying her, but he did mention that her mum would be a lot harder to convince. I wanted to meet her mum, but just before the scheduled date, we had a massive fight, and she said that she didn't want to meet her just yet. By this time, even I was growing tired of having to jump through hoops to make things work out. On the other hand, she wasn't getting any more religious. Whenever I asked her to pray, she would retaliate, sometimes with mild excuses, sometimes with venom. It was just about this time too that I was informed of my PR visa to New Zealand and started planning my move. She was still loving towards me, but it was only when I did not remind her about being more religious and put up with her mood swings. Before, she would try and pray at least a few times a day, but towards the latter part of our relationship, she would simply get annoyed when I asked and tell me to stop repeating. She would still like to bring me her home-cooked food in cute little boxes, buy me some thoughtful gift, plan a romantic date. But deep in my heart, I would always ask myself, is this what I must put up with for the rest of my life? Someone who's an angel until I advise her to do something. Why didn't I find a girl who was already as religiously inclined as myself in the first place? I wouldn't mind even if her cooking and romantic IQ were average, as long as she was on the faith. Those were my thoughts leading up to my departure from India. When the day came to leave the country, we had one last sad date. My mum thought I had gone for some last-minute shopping, but I had actually sneaked out to meet her at a cafe near her office. She cried. She cried real tears, and I had dry eyes. I don't cry much anyway, but all I could do was hug her and let her cry into my shirt. We said our goodbyes. I went home, got packed, got on the plane, and that was the start of our long-distance relationship. This was last November. So I've been working away from my country for almost seven months now. Within the last few months, our relationship was going strong. I had stopped checking up on her prayers, etc. She was also finding out things to do in my absence, like hiking and sailing. I was happy for her. 
but deep down I had a nagging feeling that I must end it before it's too late. I would go to the mosque and Islamic community centres and see women of different backgrounds all coming to pray to Allah. I realised that I wanted a wife like that, someone who I don't have to force. One day, we had our first fight in our long-distance relationship. About three months in, so that was somewhat of a record of having not had a fight for so long. After this, I spent a good two hours at the mosque making dua to Allah to give me the strength to tell her that we needed to break up. Ironically, I chose to do this on our second anniversary date. In retrospect, perhaps not the best date to do this. I gave her an ultimatum. Start praying regularly now, or we break up. She sadly replied that she's not strong enough for a condition-filled relationship. I guess she really didn't expect me to actually break up, so she didn't give in. But when I did actually break up, she was a bit shocked. I enforced a no-contact condition with her for about 20 days. She broke it by asking me if I was okay. I replied sparingly and started no contact again. This went on for a few more months and here we are today. I said I'm an optimist. I really want to make things work out. To me there is nothing wrong with her other than two things. One, not religiously minded as I'd like. Two, does get a bit dramatic at times. She just texted me again a few days ago saying that living back home is hard as she is haunted by all the good memories we had together. Unlike me, she's not skilled enough to migrate to another country but she wants to find a way to leave as she cannot forget me. I'm truly stricken with guilt now. She's not young anymore and her prospects for marriage are getting even slimmer. I feel like I've messed up her life and it's breaking me apart, even though I always hold back because I know that's not what I want in life. A part of me wants to open my arms, forgive her, love her again, give her more time to change her ways. But now that part feels more out of guilt of stealing her prime years than my genuine love. I feel partly responsible for her suffering. Another part of me wants to walk away completely. Find a believing Muslim woman who truly appreciates Islam. Marry that woman and start a family instead. Unlike her, I have plenty of choice right here in New Zealand. And this makes me feel even worse. I know that I must decide whether I need to go back to her or just walk away. This problem is not letting me think of anything else and I'm pretty much on autopilot mode these days at work. Best regards. Naeem. This was my response. Wassalam Naeem. Thanks for getting in touch. My apologies for the delay in getting back to you. I also appreciate the amount of detail you've provided in your email. 
I've read it a couple of times and have consulted with somebody who regularly counsels Muslim couples. I can't really offer you advice about the specifics of your relationship as one, I'm not qualified to do that. And two, even if I were, I would have to speak with you directly to get a better understanding of who you are, what motivates you, how you see yourself and a myriad of other factors. But in general terms, I think you both need to move on from this situation as soon as possible, but in the right way. I mean, you need to be clear with your ex about the fact that it's over without being too hard or too soft in the process. For both of you, it needs to be a clean break and understood to be a clean break. You are not responsible for her future and she shouldn't be dependent on yours. The only reason you should be together is because you see a future together supported by your values and your circumstance. So lose the guilt. Allah is her provider, not you. Also a healthy question to ask yourself at this time is why you're looking to get married. Have you really thought about it or is it something you think you should be doing? In my case I was looking for marriage in order to fill a void in my life. These days I have settled on the idea that if I am happy as a single guy then I'll be happy in a relationship. The opposite is also true. A big red flag is when you think about marriage too much. If you find yourself obsessing about it, you know something isn't quite right. Imran Naeem's final email to me. Dear Imran, Eid Mubarak. This Ramadan has proven to be rather busy and stressful as I've had to travel a lot with work, trying my best to pray and make dhikr. I read your email as you sent it through and I must thank you deeply for you gave me further assurance for what I felt was the right course of action. I fully understand that you cannot advise me on the specifics of my situation and appreciate your general advice. You've been there and done that and I look up to men like you for pragmatic views. My favourite line was, so lose the guilt. Allah is her provider, not you. I have the sort of personality that forces me to calculate all consequences, even though Allah's plan will happen regardless of what I plan. Thanks for reminding me of that. During Ramadan, I did correspond with my ex, but in a very platonic manner. Even though I tried to enforce the no-contact rule, she broke it with, so how's fasting going? and so I had to respond. I have not considered blocking her as well, as we're both adults and should be able to handle this without fully cutting each other off. During our last text chat, it was friendly, but with no real expectations from each other. It was a how's life sort of chat. I picked up that she still isn't very religiously inclined. We ended the correspondence on a Relatively good note. She seems calmer now, and I think that she understood that there might be another guy out there for her. I sincerely hope she can find someone ASAP so that I can truly rid myself of the burden and guilt. 
I'd love to be able to immediately lose my guilt, but it's proving to be much harder than I thought. My values are definitely different from hers, and it looks like it's going to stay that way. I've just listened to your latest podcast, Don't Ignore Mental Health. I picked up some good points on emotional intelligence. Your points on whether or not someone is mentally prepared for marriage especially struck home. I've also listened to your podcast, Playing the Field. And I can say that when I started the relationship with my ex when we were both 25, I was indeed playing the field because I had no outlet for my natural desires as a young man to explore any possibilities of life with a female companion by my side. In retrospect, I think she was also playing the field too. The problem was that we both had unrealistic Disneyland Bollywood expectations of love and romance. Young Muslims can be rather deluded when it comes to understanding the opposite sex in the context of a life companion. I was looking to get married at that point in time when I was 25. It was the silver bullet to all my problems. Like you, I needed to fill that void as I felt like half a man without marriage. But now things look so different. It's amazing how just two years of getting to know someone can remove that void instead of filling it. I'm still not ready for marriage and I accept that graciously. I've also learned more about getting red-pilled and it's broadening my views. I'm now trying to think of marriage as a contract. That's the way Muslims are actually supposed to consider marriage. And all those ideas of romance and soulmates are absolute rubbish. When you marry someone just because Allah prescribed it, I think you look at it far more rationally and see the red flags in the potential match early on. But when you marry for love, you cannot see those flags, as you're blinded at the time. For all my big words, I'm still a softy, and must make a very deliberate effort to not guilt trip myself with the past. But I now know what needs to be done, so I hope I can follow through. Please make dua that things work out for both me and her. Once again, really appreciate your work. Keep it up, and thanks for the correspondence and help. Best regards, Naeem. The names have been changed in this episode in order to protect the identity of those involved. I'd like to thank Naeem for for offering to share his his story with us as written. Now, you may not agree with some of the things that he said or the way that he said them, but we're all human and we all have shortcomings. So do bear that in mind if you are going to comment or offer your opinion on Instagram or Twitter. You can do so by using the hashtag DMDad and if you tag me in at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M, then I'll get a notification and um, and yeah, we can we can discuss it further. It's um, It was a very personal journey, but at the same time, the reason I picked it is because I think it sheds a lot of light on the way in which we people look to get to get together. And 
some of the problems that they face in the modern world. If you did enjoy this episode or any of the previous episodes, then please do share it with uh, people you think who'd like to listen to it. And better still, uh, leave a review. Uh, If you're listening on iPhone, then you can do that via the Apple Podcast app. You just click on the DM Dad icon, the Divorce Muslim Dad icon, and uh, it gives you an option to leave a review. That's useful because it then pretty much updates the algorithm and then it's put in front of people as a as a recommended choice. That's if you do recommend it. That's all for now. As always, thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. Assalamu alaikum.